microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... Sergeant, we need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. (laughs) It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes cans. We're we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am Groot. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced, but I believe with the right push, they can be exactly what we need. Shoot up. I'm bringing the party to you. Indeed, being uploaded, so we're online and ready. And welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It is Eric, Kylan, and myself, Mike. And we have a great host tonight, or a great guest, not great host, a great guest tonight. Um, Eric and I first met him at Star Wars Celebration. He is the guru. Well, I don't know if guru is the right word. He, he, he's the head ombre. Head ombre of the Marvel Star Wars titles. Um, Deadpool, an all around great guy, knows his Arabic well king of the ukulele it is jordan d white how you doing tonight jordan i'm doing great thank you for having me oh it's our pleasure um i will say you are the first marvel editor we've had on the show um, uh, what do they know that i don't um, <laughs> that, that was no, what do you know that they don't <laughs> Oh, uh, you, you get a lanyard. That's what it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he has a Marvel Mighty, a Marvel Mighty Geeks, a Mighty Marvel Geeks lanyard. That was that presented he does. to him at Celebration. That's true. There you go. So I'm, I'm going to start off with, with probably one of the more obvious questions. How did you become an editor with Marvel Comics or Marvel Entertainment? Uh, that is a good question to start with. Um, so I have always loved comic books uh, from pretty much my whole life. I don't really remember. Uh, I don't remember when I first saw them. My, my father, uh, like he wasn't a regular reader anymore by the time I was born, but he had read comics. And so as soon as I uh, was old enough to look at things, he was showing me comic books. Uh, and uh, they've always just been such a big part of my life. And I also love, you know, the creative arts and and storytelling in general and uh, and literature and things like that. So I went to college for for English and, and literature. Uh, studied at SUNY Binghamton ah, and well. got my undergrad degree there. Oh, you know you know SUNY Binghamton? I went to high school uh, down the road in Elmira. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very nearby. Sure. Uh, so I went there for undergrad. Uh, and after that, I was, you know, kind of, uh, I, uh, uh, you know, bumming around writing stuff, but not really knowing what I was going to do. And so then I went back again for grad school and then I got a master's degree in English. And you'd think I would say, oh, having all these degrees is 
is what helped me? And the answer is kind of no. <laughs> what, what it actually was was when I went back for my master's degree, I got involved in the radio station at SUNY Binghamton, which is uh, WHRW 90.5 FM. And they are a free format radio station. So once you get uh, trained as a DJ there and you get your own show, you can do anything you want there. And most of the students uh, and community members who have shows there just, you know, play different styles of music, whatever they, they like. Um, but there is a radio theater department. And that's what I joined into. And when I uh, got my own show, I said, I want to do radio serials. And I created a bunch of radio serials. And at first, we tried recording them live on the air. It didn't go great. <laughs> I mean, it was fine. Uh, but it, it was too, there was, yeah, it wasn't the best thing we ever did. And then, so then a, a semester or two in, we decided, oh, we'll pre-record them. And, uh, and I ended up getting together a whole crew of people, different writers, different actors, different uh, performers to, to be in these shows and to help make these shows. And I was wrangling them all and working with the writers to make sure all the shows made sense and, and were good and fun. And, and then I would record them every week uh, in a big recording session. And then I would get home and edit them together in the editing stuff. And um, I did that for a few years, uh, which was a lot of fun, but is actually very similar to the kinds of things that I do at Marvel, wrangling uh, writers and, and artists, getting them to work on a deadline, uh, putting together big projects, uh, creative projects, you know, getting large groups of people to come together to do something like that. So when I when I finished my degree there and uh, and uh, my wife was um, trying to get into medical school and she said to me, all right, I'm trying to get into medical school. If you want me, to, where do you want me to go to medical school? And I said, well, if I could go anywhere, I mean, I'd say, let's go to New York so I could try to work in comics. And coincidentally, as we were moving to New York, there was an opening at Marvel for an assistant editor. I applied, uh, did a couple of interviews with uh, with people there uh, and then got hired by Mark Panicia at the time who was a uh, Hulk editor and Hercules and uh, a bunch of things like that. That was 2007. And then I've been there ever since. So what was the first book after you got hired um, that you worked on? The first book to be published with my name on it is Exiles number 99. It was uh, Chris Claremont Exiles. It's the second to last issue of the of the series uh, before it ended and then got relaunched as uh, New Exiles. Although I think between the two, now that I think about it, there was this miniseries called X-Men Die by the Sword. But yes, X, uh, Exiles number 99. When I started at Marvel, I didn't work on a ton of... Uh, so I didn't work on a ton of uh, mainstream Marvel titles. That was one of the few. Uh, at the time, Marvel was doing a lot of literary adaptations. Uh, so they were doing like Anita Blake and um, things like that. And mm -hmm. I, I can't remember all of them off the top of my head. So I worked on a bunch of those. And I also worked on a bunch of the Marvel Adventures titles. Uh, and then as I was there longer, then I started I started working on Incredible Hercules. And then I eventually I started working on Hulk. And uh, with that was all still with Mark. And uh, eventually I moved over to the X-Men office. And I was an assistant editor there for a while. And that's when I started editing Deadpool as well. Um, from there, just uh, just onward and upward. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so I got to jump in here. You said you were involved with the campus radio station and you were doing radio serials. Yeah. What kind? Oh, uh, I mean, a was bunch. it like a uh, film noir, uh, detective mystery? We had one of those. Yeah. That, in fact, the first one we did was that. Uh, Sweet. <laughs> it was called <laughs> it was called Decker and Hayes, um, and it was a it was a pair of uh, uh, women detectives who were also lovers. So it was our lesbian detective show. Uh, now, I'll, here's the one thing about that. It's a, that is a wonderful show, and I'm super proud of it. But the one caveat I will say about that show is that it's a mystery show, and we did not play on the mystery at all so 
<laughs> so we would kick off the season with some sort of crazy thing, and and then a bun- and then uh, like three or four or five people would write episodes over the course of it. I mean, maybe maybe four or five per season. And the, every season at the end, I wrote the last episode of every of the season of that show every time. And so every time I'd have to go, oh my god, how am I gonna <laughs> how am I gonna make sense <laughs> of all this nonsense we threw out? Um, when we started planning more other shows, uh, I think it went better. The show the show that's most relevant to uh, to a Marvel reader is I did a show called Guard Duty. Uh, and that was the show that's probably as much as I love every single one of the shows we did. Um, that's the one I'm most proud of. Uh, guard duty is 50 episodes long. Uh, the concept is it's about a superhero team called the earth guard and it only takes place in their headquarters while they're on guard duty, while they're monitoring for, uh, emergencies. So, uh, so like an episode will be two of the superheroes sitting around waiting for an emergency, talking about their lives as superheroes and their origins and all the various things. And the episodes will end with an emergency and them going oh let's got we got to go everybody get out and they'll leave and then maybe the next episode you'll find out about what happened on that when there's somebody else is talking about it um i was i i love that series so much uh oh part and part of the reason is because that's the only series that i wrote every single episode of i was like no this one is mine i i can't let anybody else touch this one um and i guess i should mention if anybody wants to hear my my radio shows they're they're all available online uh two different ways you can you can hear them one is if you go to my old website, uh, which is uh, it's waxwork.com, but it's w-a-x hyphen w-o-r-k dot com. Um, up on there in the in the in the radio section, every single episode of all the shows we did is uh, of every serial we did is up there. Um, the other way you could hear them is after I started working at Marvel, uh, maybe a year or two after I started working at Marvel, I, I wanted to revisit all my old shows and I took them all back and I, uh, I I made them into a podcast. So there's a podcast I did called cast and wax which i think has like it has like over 150 episodes and they're all like an hour or longer um i don't know how i did that many episodes of this show but i did and so they all have these these pot these uh, radio serials in them but then they also i created all these um these new uh, host segments that were all uh made up of uh, me and three other people who are also me doing voices <laughs> Nice. <laughs> so it would just be me, like talking to myself, doing the. It was me, my cat, uh, and then this guy named Frank Allen, and then this guy named Rory Sinjin, and I. They were just me doing silly voices and I, developing lives for them. I have just subscribed. <laughs> awesome. I, well, <laughs> there's not going to be anything new, unfortunately. I haven't oh, done no. an episode in a couple years, but there's a hundred something episodes for you to listen to. So enjoy. A hundred and sixty six <laughs> episodes. <laughs> I'm super proud of them. I'm super proud of them. So, uh, I, although I, I, I again, only caveat. I'll give is the the beginning episodes might be a little rough, but they'll get better. Um, We also did a show called uh, Epic Echoes, which was our weird uh, sci-fi adventure series. Uh, Well, really more like science fantasy adventure series. And uh, but the subtitle of it was Epic Echoes, the backward series, because we started with the series finale. And then every uh, every episode takes place one episode before and it goes backwards through the entire show. That was also very difficult to work out. But (laughs) I think we did a pretty good job. That's cool. Good deal. Sorry, sorry to bore everybody with my radio. No, no, no. No, see, I, no, see I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of like the old radio shows. So to hear that you were doing that when you're in college, I'm like, oh, genius. <laughs> 
I, I, yeah. Again, I had a lot of fun. The, the one, again, the, I, I'm, I, I, like I said a million times, and, and so I'm sorry for repeating myself. I'm so proud of them. They mean so much to me. Uh, the stories, I think, are terrific. The performances, I think, are terrific. The, uh, the sound effects, not my strong suit at the time. I wasn't the best at it. So you have to kind of forgive the sound effects. <laughs> I did my best. That's not a problem. No, I, I, I think that's, that's great. I got involved with, uh, with my campus radio station when I was in college. That's what, what got me involved in the, the podcasting and, and everything else. I was an art major for crying out loud. I had like absolutely no business being in the, in the radio station, but a friend of mine said, Hey, come on and be on with me. And I got hooked. That's all I can say. What station? Uh, it was WEGL 91.1 out of Auburn University. Cool. See, if I had gone to SUNY Binghamton, mm-hmm. or, yeah. or if I was in your area, I probably would have been your sound effects guy. <laughs> oh, because well, that's too bad, then. I'm sad that we didn't make that happen. Um, because, you know, being an audio engineer now, and at the time, you were at, at SUNY Binghamton what years? Uh, let's see. Uh, so for, for, for undergrad, I graduated in 2001, and then I went back maybe a year later. So okay. my grad school would have been like 2002, 2003 through uh, 2006 is when I got my degree. Uh, I, technically, I got two masters while I was there. Uh, and then I was there. I stuck around Binghamton for another year working at a comic shop while I was doing my radio show. Uh, and then I moved down to, to New York. Elmira used to have a off-Broadway show called the Mark Twain Musical Drama. And okay. I, was, I was involved in it. And that's where I got my feet wet in the entertainment industry was as a uh, part of the spotlight crew, spotlight slash lighting crew. Cool. That show. So, and who knew 31 years later, I would be 19 years with Walt Disney World as an audio engineer. It's pretty great. So, um, 2012, the announcement comes that Disney has bought Lucasfilm. What was the rumblings like around the Marvel offices? Because at the time, Dark Horse had the had the Star Wars license. Was it 2012 when they bought Lucasfilm? Wow. Yeah. October 2012. October 2012. Um, Honestly, honestly, uh, none. No rumbling uh, about about Star Wars, uh, Star Wars comics. I had no clue. I didn't even think of it. And partially because, you know, uh, Disney had owned Marvel for a while. Uh, and that didn't mean that Marvel did all of their comics, if you know. Right. Like, uh, like there were still licensed comics about, you know, Mickey and I, I don't remember which ones, <laughs> but about all various Disney properties that were being done by other companies. So I, I didn't assume, oh, well, we'll start getting those. Um, it wasn't until, let me see, what year was it that it would, it was November of, well, let's see. What year did we start it, putting them out? We started uh, putting them out in January of 2015. 15. So it was uh, November of 2013 is when uh, they called me into uh, an office the day before I went on vacation to Disney World, actually. <laughs> and <laughs> and they said, hey, um, you can't tell anyone, including even the other editors, because, again, like you said, no one knew. No one knew that Dark Horse was going to be, be done doing these comics. They said, no one, you can't tell anyone about this, but we want you to edit the Star Wars comics and i was like what and that was the first i even considered that they might come to marvel was when they told me that (laughs) (laughs) nothing against dark horse they had a great run and i love the stories that came from the dark horse realm but I'm, i'm glad to see marvel get a second chance uh with the series yeah, I mean, yeah, Dark Horse did a lot of great stuff. And they also, you know, they carried the torch through the dark uh, times where there was really not a lot of Star Wars. Yeah. Um, and that that's important. And that, uh, you know, meant a lot to to so many people. Um, but, I, yeah, I'm kind of excited that we got it well, back, too. <laughs> well, they, they, carried, 
I I was impressed that they they carried the original Star Wars titles that you got or the Star Wars title that you guys had done mm-hmm. uh, back in the seventies that they they incorporated that into their library to help keep those keep those alive. Yep, brought them back into print and everything. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, pretty neat. Um, I haven't. I'll be honest with you. I haven't read all those original ones. The ones I've read are crazy. <laughs> like I can't even <laughs> believe they ever happened. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah. what excited me so much about Marvel getting Star Wars back is because that's the stuff I grew up with. That's the <laughs> stuff that I used to read. And and I mentioned this when we did our, our show at Celebration. Uh, my local library had oversized, hardbound collections of the comic book adaptations of A New Hope. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people thought that the library no longer had that book because it stayed checked out <laughs> by me. I mean, <laughs> it was be like, oh, well, it's time to check it in. And I just, I go up to the desk. I said, here, um, can I check it right back out? You don't even have to put it back on the shelf. They kind of got tired of me after a while, but they, they humored <laughs> me. They humored me. Apparently, I was the only one that got it out anyway. So there you go. <laughs> you had a you had a monopoly on it. I did. <laughs> so so I, I want to ask, because of the, the whole world of variant covers these days, what made you guys decide on so many variant covers for issue one? That is an interesting question. Um, well, the thing about variant covers is, um, you know, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think people enjoy them. Uh, and I know a lot of people complain about them, but th- <laughs> that's, I mean, I, I sort of feel like that's fine. Like th- those people who don't like them don't have to buy them. That's, that's not a problem. The people who want them can buy them. And as soon as people don't like them anymore, they'll stop buying them and we won't do them. Uh, as, as for how many were on that, I mean, that, that comic existed and was, and came out in like a perfect storm of star wars frenzy yes everyone wanted star wars at that moment um and so there was just so much excitement because it was obviously it was just before the the movie um or was just after was it just Uh, after the new movie it was was about a year it was about a year before no right it was a year before it was it was in january and the movie was in december right right everyone was so excited for force awakens coming out like they were going crazy they they wanted more star wars right away and we were basically one of the first things to come out uh in the new canon Uh, i don't think we were literally the first thing i think there was a novel first but we were very close to the first thing there, there was a um, novel and then dark horse's last uh darth maul mini well that the darth, darth maul's that mini is still in canon so you're right in that respect but it came out i think before uh like before you know what i mean before like the official launch of the new stuff like that it's yeah. like yes that one still counts but it wasn't like check it out it still counts um so so it was there was so much excitement so a lot of those variant covers were uh were exclusive retailer covers like there was a, a quite a few of them were exclusive yeah. retailer covers um, and from what I understand retailers did really well with them and, and there was a lot of demand for them uh, and it and also it was such an opportunity for our artists everybody wanted to draw Star Wars as soon as we announced that we were going to be doing them uh, so many of our artists were like well I've got to do some Star Wars and this was a great opportunity mm-hmm. to give them all uh, a chance to to draw something and be part of this first issue I will say outside of the normal cover i think i have five or six variant covers cool. of issue number one and, and my top two i think my top three favorite is um the scotty young okay 
um, John uh, JTC's action figure, sure, and JTC's uh, party issue with Jackson. Oh, the Jackson one. Yes. I, I mean, I gotta say, I love that Alex Ross painting of the original Star Wars cover. That one is so amazing. Yeah. 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 Yes. I um, think and the, our store had it at such a high price. I would love to get it. Sure. But I I can't touch it. I've got I've got a box with all of them in it. <laughs> oh. I got one of each. <laughs> it's good to be the editor. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, I mean, there were, yeah, there were so many good ones. I mean, oh, I'm sure you, you guys know, like we put out, uh, eventually we put out a, um, a hardcover of covers uh, yeah. that had a lot of those variants in it, and uh, as well as mm. variants from Leia number one and from Vader number one, uh, right. and 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 through the whole series. And uh, yeah, that's a gorgeous book. That was such a such a, a beautiful looking book. Uh, so many good. Uh, again, talking about Alex Ross, the Alex Ross Vader number one cover, where yes. Vader is kneeling in front of the Emperor. So so cool. Yes, I loved that. One. I I need to go get the. Um, I think it was a C two E two or New York Comic Con. The reverse um, poster B with with Vader standing with Afra's feet. Oh yeah, Luke yeah, in the yeah. Background. Uh-huh. Yeah, Phil Noto did that. It was terrific. Yes. I loved that. One. Oh, that yeah. was so cool. That was from uh, from Vader down, I think. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I would love to get that and, and match it with the uh, with the original poster B mm-hmm. cover mm-hmm. as well from issue one. So cool. There's been some <laughs> great, great stuff. The 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 Scotty Young w- between the three, Leia, Vader, and Star Wars One mm-hmm. was a great uh, was a great set of covers as well. Absolutely. So uh, I just gotta get a frame to put mine in. I mean, we've been very fortunate on the Star Wars books to have such great creators across the board. All the writers, all the artists that we've worked with have been so good. Um, and I mean, I like to think that that that's why the quality is so high because I get to work with such such high class people who are awesome. Yeah. Now, we know from Celebration uh, we have Captain Phasma coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised when I saw it in Comicology. Why didn't we hear about Star Wars Droids Unplugged being released? Um, I don't know. It got announced. Uh, I mean, well, what I, one thing I'll say about it is it's, I mean, that's a, it's kind of a collection issue. It's not, there's no new stories in it. It's the three right. stories, it's three backup stories that had already run in other Star Wars comics. Okay. Um, but I don't know. It got announced. Uh, <laughs> so it's got a new cover. That's the only new thing uh, about it. Um, but they're terrific stories. Those are, yeah, three Chris Iliopoulos uh, droid stories. It was the, the R2 one, the BB-8 one, and the uh, probe droid, the Darth Maul probe droid one. And it's funny because just before it came out, we actually did a, a new droid story in Darth Vader number one uh, of about a little mouse droid. So uh, obviously we'll have to do more so we can do more issues of that, more collections. Yeah. Chris yeah. is great. I, I I've I've been a fan of Chris for a long time. Uh, my favorite my favorite comic series to follow uh, that is not you know not Marvel is uh, Savage Dragon. So I got to know Chris originally as the letterer of Savage Dragon, and through the backup stories he used to put in that of uh, Desperate Times, and um, and then he's done other ones, Misery Loves Sherman, and uh, stuff like that. He's such a great cartoonist, and he did the Franklin Richards stuff for Marvel that was always so much fun. So we're happy to have him come back and do the droid stories when possible. Awesome. And he's he's also a big Star Wars fan. Yeah. I, I mean, I've noticed that from it, right? his Facebook page. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He has an R two D two collection. Yeah, he's got lots of R two D twos. I I envy his collection, and, and he's someone I would I would love to bring onto the show, especially with all the stuff he's done for Marvel. Um, he's yeah, had he's, some great stuff. He's he's done so much stuff at Marvel. I mean, he's lettered so many amazing series for many many years. Um, and then obviously the stuff he writes and draws is terrific too. So yeah. Well, I, I would like to say thank you for giving me uh, more 
more than 12 issues of Poe Dameron because I was pretty <laughs> I was like, I'm just saying, I'm just being honest about the whole thing because I was getting kind of sad. I was like, you know, okay, after 12, that's going to be it. And then I'm like, 13, 14? And I'm like, oh, oh okay, all right. So, you like number one? one? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I own a couple of number of number one, actually. So, I, I, I you know, yeah, that Bo, Poe Dameron. It, it really is. And see, I, I was like, I love Star. I do love Star Wars, but I, I, I switched from being all about the Jedi and the Sith and that sort of thing. I really got into like Rogue Squadron and the, all the X-wing stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I was really, really into that, especially into the books. And then you know, I was like, okay, now all of a sudden I find out there's a Poe Dameron miniseries, and it got turned into a series, sort of. And now it's sticking around. And I'm like, I, it's it's feeding that fix for me again. So that's great. I'm happy. I'm, I'm glad. So that's a great series, and it, it was a toughie because uh, obviously. Um you know, we wanted to do something in some way connected to The Force Awakens, and uh, uh, the tricky part about that being, um, we knew that they didn't—they didn't really want us to do something after The Force Awakens because you know that's where the next movie is. They don't want to reveal stuff before right. the, the movie. So the idea was, okay, we'll do something leading into The Force Awakens, something that takes place before it. And the tricky part there being, you can't do anything really about Rey, a because there's some mystery about her her backstory, and also b because otherwise you'd be doing stories about her scavenging. And she, I, I, you can tell good stories about that i'm not saying you can't but they're not the same kind of adventure stories we're used to in star wars no um as we looked at the movie poe was clearly the character who had been on the most adventures before the movie that we could spin out um when charles soul wrote the first issue of poe it was before any of us had seen the movie like we had both uh been given a walkthrough of the movie and we both knew what happened in the movie Mm -hmm. but we hadn't yet seen oscar isaac's performance to know the amount that he brings to the character which is so much so Right. When the first draft of that script, uh, it was, you know, it, it was kind of roughed in. Like, we knew what was going to happen, but we, the personality wasn't there yet. And as soon as he saw that movie, uh, he he leapt back in. And he, I think, nailed Poe's voice right away. Uh, yeah. Like, like yes, he, yes. He immediately got exactly what Oscar was doing with it and and, and gave him that kind of fun uh, right off the bat. And I, I was so happy with it. Well, you know, as I'll sit there and uh, you know, I'm, as I'm reading through, you know, you know, because that first issue, you're like, well, you, you don't know what to expect. And I, I had my hopes, you know, but I'm like, well, 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 but yeah, I got into it and it like pulled me in. And, you know, and so, you know, it's not just Poe, it's also the rest of Black Squadron. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know, and, and plus you get this great, uh, almost like, a, I don't know, Top Gun meets special forces kind of thing yeah. going on with like this first part and and i think that's what really drew me in and the, the writing is so great and the and the art was amazing and yeah so i well done and yeah i'm like i'm every no i think like every maybe second or third wednesday now well i'm, I'm in my my local shop every wednesday now but but i'm sitting there <laughs> and i'm making sure that i got i make sure i got it and i'm just like okay uh, is there anything oh any variant covers you know but for i'm glad yeah we, i'm glad we got to flesh out uh the the rest of black squadron more and as we've been going through the series they've they've gotten more and more room for them which is great um do you yes. have a favorite member of black squadron well uh i'll <sighs> snap I, I have to admit i like snap snap <laughs> yeah. like you know but because you know kind of poe and snap kind of 
I don't know. They, they, I, I kind of see them as being sort of, sort of like a, uh, I would say sort of Starsky and Hutch. Like they're a du- they're the, the duo of the group. Gotcha. So, you know, that's why I see it. And so, yeah, I, I like Snap. And, you know, plus on top of that, oh gosh, the actor that plays him. Uh, Greg Grunberg. Yeah, he, he he's just getting all the geek cred. Now I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, Heroes, Star Wars, Alias. I'm like, it's like okay, he just wants all the geek cred. Okay, fine. And you're a, you probably get an action figure and you're in a comic i'm not mad at you so <laughs> being, being yeah but being yeah jj so, abrams best friend kind of gets you that it, well, you, <laughs> you know that you're right <laughs> But yeah, it, you know the I, I really I like that you even though Poe's name is on the cover, I you know the story was starting to expand. You know, and it's not just a, it's you know it's definitely you know it's although this is you know the canon, you know I, I I'm still getting that Rogue Squadron fix that I that I was missing. Now I was thinking I wasn't sure I was going to get, but this has been a really nice surprise. So yeah. you know I'm glad. Uh, so well done. Thanks. Thank you so much. And. I would just like to, to point out a little a snippet that uh, that I loved from Celebration, the Marvel panel, where they're t- where y'all are talking about the uglies. Oh yeah, yeah. And Phil Noto made the comment, "I could spend all day drawing uglies." <laughs> or no, excuse me, spend a month drawing uglies. Oh. And I'm just kind of like, that made my day. Because the the concept of the ugly, and for those of you who don't know, it's basically kit-bashed space fighters. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could have a you have a TIE fighter cockpit with a pair of Y-wing engines bolted on. I mean, they're they're done up by groups that don't have the resources to purchase or build their own starfighter. So basically it's just kind of like the, the Frankenstein space yeah. fleet. I, that was something that came out of the expanded universe. Yeah. Yeah. And so when, when you told me that I almost passed out, I was like, what? They're bringing that back. <laughs> yes. I mean, I saw that and I go, wait a minute. And, and it, we saw the page before the word uglies was mentioned. And I'm just sitting there going, are those what I think those are? And <laughs> y- you say the magic word. And I'm kind of like, yes, I love this. And that oh kind of reminds me of the, the huh? interview that we had with Jason Aaron, uh, right. As the star Wars line, was coming out and we asked him about you know the statement that Lucasfilm made about being able to bring in elements from the EU into the new canon and he he said you know we could but we had to get through the story group i am so glad that y'all are doing that and I'm so glad that it's just like it, it's just little things that that longtime Star Wars fans will recognize. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I think there's been a few things at this point that have that have made the made the yeah. jump from uh, from EU. Um, yeah. Cough, cough, Thrawn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm, I'm, gl- I'm, gl- I'm glad to see Thrawn uh, cu- uh, finally, you know, make an appearance of any if any Imperial uh, officer was going to was going to make a comeback. I'm glad it's him. Sure. Yeah. I, 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 he was he's like the one that, although I'm told I'm told rebellion but I actually kind of halfway liked Ron you know and so it made the heir to the empire series just that much more uh, pleasurable mm-hmm. pleasurable to read so mm-hmm. speaking of and I'm about to put Jordan on the spot here Uh-oh. uh to which you know <laughs> if you can't answer or won't answer we understand <laughs> okay um are there any chances we could see O tall blue and handsome show up in a uh, a Marvel comic sometime soon well, pre's on, pre's on, Thrawn, pre's on. Sorry, flashbacks. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, the, obviously, the biggest uh, question is, is he going to make it through Rebels? So, <laughs> uh, in order to get into the time period of our main Star Wars book. Uh, that said, we do have Darth Vader, which takes place a lot earlier. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you do never know. Uh, I can't promise anything, uh, but I do. But one thing I can say is a fact is uh, my assistant editor, uh, Heather Antos, uh, who is also a huge Star Wars fan, Thrawn is her favorite Star Wars character. She has a statue of him on her desk. So oh, there's somebody wow. fighting for him, definitely. There you go. <laughs> well, okay, I have a question. Um, do, do, do we know anything about the whereabouts of Wedge? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think... Uh when i guess i should say in what era i mean like now like you know um, <laughs> now is he's dead from a long long time ago in a galaxy far far away well i mean because he, he survived do you he, mean now you mean now meaning force awakens era yeah for, force awakens era no okay like, unfortunately no i don't know anything about where he is then uh i it's possible they'll reveal something in a new movie but i i don't know if that's the case okay then, then we'll backtrack I think some yeah. What can you tell us about the upcoming Mace Windu mini that's coming out? <laughs> um, uh. well, let's see. Let's see. I can tell you a little bit. Not not a ton. Uh, it's um, it's set just after the start of the Clone Wars. Uh, so it's just you know just after Episode Two, and uh, it's one of the first missions that Mace has gone on in his new capacity as a general. Um, it's being uh, uh, it's it, it's it's a it's going to be a really fun book. It's being drawn by Dennis Cowan, who is a terrific uh, you know big yes. Uh, yes. big deal. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, he's doing some awesome work, and it's being uh, written by Matt Owens, who uh, recently wrote uh, Elektra for Marvel. Uh, he wrote he's a, he's a writer from the Marvel. Uh, he came to us from Marvel TV. He's written for uh, which shows Shield, I think, and Luke Cage, maybe. Uh, Oh, okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Right. Um, he's written for a couple of the different Marvel shows. Uh, right. And he's a great guy. He's got so many ideas, so many great ideas. Uh, and again, was also so excited. And he's a huge Star Wars fan as well. Um, so much so that it's uh, like a, a pretty deep level Star Wars fan. So when I first talked to him, I was like, you know, it's, it's, so it's about Mace Windu. Um, it's going to take place during the Clone Wars. So there are some episodes of the Clone Wars TV show, show you should check out. And he was like, oh, I, I know what you're talking about. They're in season five and they're the way, where this happens. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Okay, you, you you know what I'm talking about. Okay, good. Um, so yeah, he was definitely ready for this, uh, and he's created a a, a new uh, villain for for Mace to fight in this, which is pretty fun. Um, and then I probably shouldn't say too too much more than that. Mace, Mace is leading a, a crew of a couple of Jedi, um, of which one is uh, Kit Fisto, and the others are are new characters that we've created. So awesome. it should be really neat. I'm still pumped that you got Dennis Cowan on it. Yeah. I, I am. I used to. I, I collected Deathlock uh, when he was doing his run on that, uh, where they was doing like the Souls of Cyberfolk, and I believe the trade paperback of that is is out right now. But uh, really, I got a chance to meet him at about that time, and he seemed like a great guy. And I'm I'm a huge fan. I am. I'm definitely putting that on my whole list. Guys, I called dibs on that. <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't wait it's to show off pages. Stores. Look, if, if I can get Poe, you can get that. I'm not going to stand your way. Okay. okay. <laughs> we have to call dibs, Jordan, on yeah. the various Star Wars titles. Because otherwise, it's kind of like you know the last chocolate chip cookie in the in the cookie jar. And it's like someone sneaks in when nobody else is looking. 
Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad. I'm glad you guys are fighting over my books. I, I, that makes me happy. Well, we also fight over other books of yours in the Deadpool realm. Oh, let's talk about it. Um, and I know we talked briefly at, at Celebration. And I think this is a great story. Um, one of my favorite titles is Night of the Living Deadpool's, mm-hmm. and you had a great story behind the, the title and the um, and and the I guess the tone of the book. Well, uh, b- about the original concept for it. So yes, I mean. Yeah, because, uh, you know, obviously a lot of these Deadpool minis we do, uh, part of the, the get to them is that we try to come up with as big of a, of a hook as we can. Like, a, you know, what makes this Deadpool uh, mini special? Like, wh- why should I check this out in addition to the main series? And um, so we had done Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe and a few things like that. And uh, it occurred to me, oh, we could do Night of the Living Deadpool. And the original idea was that through a through a mistake of legality uh, at the time, the original Night of the the living dead film is not copyrighted it is in the public domain um because apparently from what i understand it had to do with the fact that they changed the name of the movie at the last minute uh, i forget what it was originally called but at the last minute they changed the name so they changed the title card to saying night of the living dead and at the time you had to have the copyright notice actually physically present on the work for it to be copyrighted and they accidentally left out the copyright notice and so as soon as the film was released it went straight into the public domain that's why that's why you'll see so many dvds of uh, and blu-rays of night of the living dead is because if anybody gets a copy of the old print they can they legally are allowed to make and sell it um uh. so i originally said why don't we just do night of the living dead like literally recreate the film but have deadpool in it uh and, and i wasn't sure if it was like do we have deadpool instead of barbara do we have him instead <laughs> of like i like, who knows um now when i talked to our legal department about it they were like ah, we don't we, we don't recommend that you do that like we don't love that idea um <laughs> so that, and that's fine i'm i'm really happy with the version that we ended up with as yes, well which is yes. you know it's just deadpool in a zombie apocalypse he, he literally wakes up from a food coma in a zombie apocalypse and uh we did it in black and white except for deadpool who is still uh, in color and it was uh, it was so much fun cullen bunn uh <laughs> wrote that one and uh R- ramon rosanis uh who's more recently has done a big run on ant-man uh was the artist on it and he did the he did the full colors on that he did the great all the gray tones and the the, the colors for deadpool it was so cool it was such a fun series and then we did yes. a follow-up too uh what was the follow-up called Re- return of the living deadpool i think i think it was yeah yes mm-hmm. something like that yeah so. that was your favorite one that the the night of the living deadpool yeah. and the return are, are my favorite deadpool stories um i think the next <laughs> follow-up is uh colin bunn's uh mercs for money the, the the ongoing or the mini the mini the mini okay yeah with um he had a lot of crazy characters in that crazy gang was in it uh the highwayman uh <laughs> uh like so many uh the, the the that evil recorder that he that he brought in it was the, so uh, fun the, the one character who always spoke spanish oh, oh yeah ah! yes. so <laughs> that was that was a fun idea uh we made that up to kind of as i mean that character was like basically based on a joke um so as you know marvel characters uh are marvel comics are printed in other countries and sometimes they give them different names uh the big one was i think in spain wolverine is called lobezno um yeah if you if you google lobezno cover or comic cover or something you'll find you'll see uh, wolverine covers with it says lobezno in um in the wolverine font uh and the same is true for massacre uh, oh crap you're right yes <laughs> 
<laughs> and the same is true for Massacre uh, with a C-R-E at the end, Massacre, if, if you will. Uh, that that's, the, the, uh, that's Spain's name for Deadpool. Um, ah, okay. And when we found that out, we were so happy. <laughs> and we just went, we should totally make that into a character, a Spanish-speaking Deadpool whose name is Massacre. Um, and half the joke, so when Jerry Duggan and I talked about it, was Jerry going, we have to force, when they do this in Spain, we have to force them, call him Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I don't think we actually did. I don't know if that ever happened. Um, but otherwise, it'll be very confusing for them. Uh, and we did an all Spanish um, uh, one shot. We did a, a we we did a Deadpool three point one of the most recent run of Deadpool um, uh, has. <laughs> Has uh, uh, it was entirely in Spanish except maybe a couple lines in English that were actually characters that were speaking English and um, and then when we went back uh, so when we put it out we got a, how am I supposed to read this and originally my answer was make a friend like <laughs> find somebody who speaks Spanish expand your horizons this will be great um, people didn't like that answer so <laughs> they they, uh, they 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 asked that we put out an English version so we we did and so we put it out as massacre number one and it was tr- all the Spanish was translated into English. But then all the lines that were in English originally, I translated into Esperanto. <laughs> awesome! <laughs> uh, you were talking about Marvel books being done over in other countries. Mm-hmm. I will say my parents brought back from Germany this one. Nice. Oh, man. Why do they just call it Star Wars? They should totally call it. Uh, oh, I, oh I, I, I feel like I knew. I used to know Star Wars in German. I don't think I do anymore. <laughs> Sh- so. Showdown off them. What does it say? Showdown off them. Smugger. Smugger mom. Smuggler mom. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh, that's great. Yeah, at, at Celebration, I think two years ago, I bought uh, uh, the the German uh, Empire Strikes Back t-shirt for my wife. So it was the poster for Empire Strikes Back, but it was the German version. Um, and it was terrific. Uh, I guess, but I just can't remember what it's called. Oh, yeah, there's more pictures of Lobezno. Yep. <laughs> so, question of uh, your wife. Is she as big of a Star Wars fan as you are? Uh, not not Star Wars, no. Um, she okay. is a comic fan, though. And in fact, there was a, a period of my life from uh, some point in my um, from probably like my senior year of high school through most of my undergrad college career where I wasn't buying comics regularly. I was uh, I would just, you know, periodically go in and grab, oh, look, it's, a, you know, uh, here's a trade of something that looks fun. Um, and so I wasn't as big into it. And it was when I me and my wife started dating uh, maybe a year or so before I graduated from undergrad. We both fed each other's comics obsessions and and both started buying way more comics than either one of us had bought separately. Um, her big thing, though, is Archie comics. She reads every single Archie comics. Um, well, by which I mean the Riverdale uh, connected ones, not like Sonic and things like that. But all the ones right. about Archie, Betty or Veronica or Sabrina or anything like that. Did so, she read the Archie Punisher crossover? Yes. That is one of the few comics that was in both of our collections. I had the Marvel <laughs> cover with the die cut, uh, you know, uh, a, a gun sight. And she had the Archie cover with the joke with the I knew there would be chaperones but this is ridiculous. I uh, remember so that one. We have both copies was, of it. I love that comic. Is that is that good? Because I mean like I, I loved uh, was it Archie Meets Kiss. I, I totally loved that. And I was, my wife is looking at me like really? I'm like it's Archie and it's Kiss. Archie How Meets the Punisher not? is amazing. I love it. Um, it's 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 oh gosh I can't remember the names of the artists off the top of my head but it's got two artists. So the Archie characters are drawn by an Archie artist and the Punisher character and the serious characters are drawn by a Marvel artist. Um, it looks so great.
great. It's it's so true to both characters. The only okay. thing as, as on the Punisher side that you can say against it is I'm, I don't think Punisher actually murders anyone on screen in this because it is also Archie appropriate. But they right. but the character of the Punisher is totally played straight. And oh, yeah. it's so good. I love it so much. <laughs> And it, it's kind of got that same almost tongue-in-cheek feel that you would expect out of, say, you know, a Deadpool almost, only not as chaotic and not as bloody. Yeah, yeah. Although I was—I'll I'll be honest. I, I mean, Archie has done bloody stuff nowadays. Like, did you read the the Predator one? I was—I couldn't believe yeah. how gory that got. Because again, that was drawn in the Archie house style, and it was still super gory. I was like, whoa. <laughs> so I—I so I, I was like. Was I was I heard that there was an Archie Punisher? And I'm like, are they for real? No, and yes. it was because it was from the '90s. It was it was you know it was came out at a time when I think people were blown away that it was that yeah. It happened. yeah. Archie nowadays, like you said, Archie does a lot of crazy stuff. Back then, they did not. Uh, so this See. was this was a big deal. And this is really we, frustrating me because I had I still have the Archie crossover pin that oh wow that they came out with. It was like you know, a black pin with like Archie's head. From from like the the mouth the lips up and then the Punisher skull from the lips down. Yeah, it was the, well, it was the, it was the shape of the Punisher skull. I remember what you're talking about. It's the shape of the Punisher yeah. skull, but it had Archie's eyes and his nose and his freckles instead of the uh, skull yeah. eyes. Yeah, yeah, it was terrific. And I have it. Uh, I thought I saw it just the other day. It should be like in my in, in my file drawer over here, but can't find it. It's like really annoying me. But oh anyway, I shall live. That is nuts. Uh, well, the one bummer about that is like uh, I, I don't think. That's that's a book you can't get anymore. Um, you know, because it's not. I mean, you'd have to find a back issue. You can't get that on Marvel Unlimited. You can't get that. I don't think yeah. you can buy it on Comicsology. You know, um, so that's that's one you actually have to dive into the back issue bins for. Oh uh, well, mission accepted. <laughs> <laughs> Spe- speaking, yeah, of, so. speaking of back issues, in a way, what's been uh, some of the favorite projects that have come across your desk uh, since you've been an editor? Oh, just the whole time since I've been an editor? Um, oh, gosh. Uh, so many things. Uh, I mean, right now, working on Deadpool with Jerry Duggan is such a pleasure. Uh, we get away with so much crazy stuff. Um, and uh, I-, I-, I can't even say how proud of this run of Deadpool. That, from-, from the start of his, uh, him and Brian Posehn writing Marvel Now, uh, Deadpool, right through all of our plans right now that are tying in with Secret Empire. I, I am so proud of this this book. Um, you know, all of our flashback issues where we did fake fake uh, uh, <laughs> fake issues from the 60s and 70s and yes. 80s. Talking jive those. and taking lives. Yep. Yes. Oh my god! <laughs> all of uh, the, the, you know, the, 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 the infinite comic we did, introducing Shikla, where he was running across the world with Shikla, I, that was so much fun. That then we printed as Dracula's Gauntlet. Um, the introduction of Shikla in general. I loved Deadpool's wife, uh, who things are not really <laughs> going well with anymore. Um, and, I mean, like, the, the, like again, going back to the the. Fla- so you, you mentioned our '70s issue. In the '70s issue, there's this throwaway sex scene where, yes! where he has sex with this woman, and then a couple issues later, we go. By the way, he has a daughter from that. Like that's <laughs> 
that's oh yeah that is the issue where he conceives the, the his daughter uh who is a part of the book right now ellie camacho like it's such yeah, a goofball I, issue and we were it like is. yeah it's such a we're, but something hugely important happened in it because i'm sitting there and i'm reading <laughs> through it and i'm like did that just happen yep uh yes it did oh and and then i just love how luke wakes up and it's modern and looks like <laughs> in um if, if you see that the trade we did a trade uh because those those we, we, okay sorry let me let me step back we would do those flashback issues between arcs uh for right. the whole first run of, of deadpool of, of jerry's first run of deadpool so after the first six issues we did one and then after the next arc we did one um but after we did the whole 45 issue run uh, of that uh, run we collected all of the flashback issues into a trade uh called deadpool flashbacks which is a ridiculous crazy trade uh, of just those issues um and i wrote an introduction to it uh which is all lies uh as if because it it's all saying as if these really were issues made at those times right yeah. so so I, I i wrote this intro going yeah yeah uh in the 50s this really happened that, that these writers started writing about this character and the, um and we have this myth that we made up that uh that deadpool was that the, his first appearance wasn't as deadpool it was in a comic called uh wade wilson mounty with a mouth and <laughs> it was a romance comic about him as a mounty uh and w- unfortunately we've never done that issue yet i I always wanted to and we never got around to it i hope someday we can uh, well i i now my wife is the deadpool nut in the house and she loves everything that you guys have done like um and 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 she's she's a pretty no nonsense kind of kind, kind of lady but deadpool you know and i'm sitting there and i'm trying to get her to explain to me because i love uh heroes for hire i love luke cage i love iron fist and i'm like number one luke would kill deadpool they could never work together and she's but like we've had him in our book a few times I, and, and, and she says he just wants to be with the team um yes but he keeps I'm, saying he's a member of heroes for hire and luke keeps going no you are not <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, like even in um, which game? Even in the the Marvel, the Marvel uh, online uh, uh, massive uh, MMO game. Uh, yeah. it, he uh, there's this one part where when Deadpool comes near Luke, Luke says, "Deadpool, you say something about that my, my Tierra one more time." <laughs> and I think because like even in the comic, he's saying talking about the Tierra, and I'm like, I don't care who you are if you're super immortal like he is. I'm never saying anything, to Luke Cage, about his. Tierra. I'm not doing it, but I understand that Deadpool is not the most sane person in the world, but yeah, I, I Jerry's don't know. a big fan of Power Man and Iron Fist, so he's had them in the book as a, a couple of times. I mean, they were in the 70s issue. They were in the issue right after that. Right. We, we yeah. recently did, I think maybe a year ago, we did a we did a, a one issue, uh, Deadpool 13 of the new run. That was a, a four-issue crossover in one issue, where it was two Deadpool issues, a Power Man and Iron Fist issue, and a, a Daredevil issue. And we actually got Charles to write 20 pages to do the Daredevil issue and David Walker to write 20 pages to do the Power Man Iron Fist issue. Uh, and wow. it was it was so much fun having them. It, it, like I said, it's a crossover in one issue. It's all You get all four issues of the crossover all at once. Uh, you should check it out. If you like them, you, you'll definitely enjoy it. Yeah, I, well, you know, I, I have to admit, I do love watching Luke, like, well, when he had an afro, but want to pull his hair out, you know, or even, I guess now, maybe even grow his hair back so he could pull it out. <laughs> so, yeah, I would love, I love the 
those stories. I, I loved, uh, uh, was it Talking Jive and Taking Lives? Yeah. And it had the perfect feel. And so I could just imagine what the rest of the uh, stories are like. So On, yeah. on a similar, on a similar uh, note, uh, another book from a lot earlier in my career that I, I absolutely adored working on and I'm so proud of is uh, the miniseries The Age of the Century. Um, I was a big fan of the Century. And much more than that, I'm a huge fan of Silver Age Superman. Uh, when I, I used to read the, the Black and White Showcase Presents that they put out like 10 years ago yeah. with those crazy Superman stories. And I loved how ridiculous they were. And so um, this was back when I was an assistant editor, but I, it was my idea to do this book. And I said to my editor, Mark Panicci, like, can we do this? And we got Jeff Parker and... Um, so, so many great people were involved in this. Uh, oh, man. Paul Tobin was the other writer. Um, a bunch of great artists. Uh, um, oh, my God. Nick. Um, Dragota? Yes, Nick Dragota. Uh, Michael Cho did a story. Ramon Rosanas did stories. Uh, they were all uh, written as if the Sentry had been around in the Silver Age of Marvel and was doing DC-style Superman stories in Marvel at the time. And uh, <laughs> they were so silly and they were so much fun. Uh, I highly recommend that one. Um, I also edited all of the Marvel Ender's Game adaptations, oh, okay. uh, those novels. Oh, so those were a lot of fun. I did a uh, an Ant Man and Wasp miniseries once, uh, written and drawn by Tim Seeley. Uh, but it was back when Hank Pym was the Wasp and Eric O'Grady was Ant Man. So it was <laughs> the two of them teaming up, and it, that was a heck of a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, and another thing I did was uh, Galacta, the daughter of Galactus. Um, oh my gosh! From the Marvelous when I was an assistant editor, Marvel Assistant Size Spectacular. Uh, I worked with Adam Warren on that who who does uh, the you know the book empowered nowadays and used to do dirty yep. pair back in the day i have been a fan of his for years uh so i jumped at the opportunity to work with him and we we came up with the daughter of galactus who has like an eating disorder because she doesn't want to eat all of the people around her <laughs> um dirty that's pair. A, there's a name that i have not heard in a long time <laughs> yeah yeah those were some great books those were some great books he did um yeah. galacta uh, is a character that i think is so much fun and i've wanted to bring her back but but uh, I, have, I have a fight with Tom Brevoort because Tom says she is not in continuity. And I'm like, we'll see. Someday. Someday I'll make her still in continuity. Half <laughs> of the stuff that y'all do in Deadpool is not in continuity. Yes, it is. It's all in continuity. It all counts. <laughs> Deadpool killed Hitler. We showed it. He did it. <laughs> so, and, you know, the thing is, he could mouth off the cap about that. And, you know... <laughs> Now I want to see a variant cover that's basically a ripoff of Captain America number one, oh. where Deadpool, Deadpool not Cap, is the one punching Hitler and and like hitting him with a frying pan or something rather than hitting him with, with a rubber fist or chicken. <laughs> Jordan's not saying anything. I hope to God he's taking notes. That's what no, it is. I'm sorry. I'm I'm having uh, technical difficulties. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I can see it now. I I I can actually see this. I can imagine. Can you Deadpool. say it again for me? Okay. Variant cover of Deadpool. You know, basically ripping off the Captain America number one cover, sure. where it's Deadpool, not Cap, hitting Hitler using uh, what'd you say? A, a rubber chicken. A rubber chicken. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to see. Or, well, or, 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 or like Eric said, a frying pan, you know, <laughs> because it'll hurt more, you know. Sure, of course. With, with the American flag on it. 
<laughs> no, we did a story. Did you guys read the story we have where where he kills Hitler? Well, see, I got fi- I got to find the story now because it's it was Deadpool. It was the previous volume of Deadpool. It was issue twenty six, I think. Okay, and uh, it involves time travel. It it was an issue. It was our fake fifties issue, <laughs> uh, but it takes place uh, in the fifties where Deadpool has. Or, it, it's following Nick Fury, and all of a sudden, uh, Deadpool shows up. All right, I won't go into the whole thing, but the point is, it oh. involves time traveling Hitler. A, a, a time traveler goes back in time to kill Hitler, and Hitler kills him first, and then steals his time machine and starts traveling through time to try to kill Nick Fury. And so, both Deadpool and Cable show up in the fifties, and eventually they beat Hitler, and they just blow him away with a million machine guns. They just like destroy <laughs> him. What this is what issue number twenty twenty six twenty six, and then they oh, oh, okay, I'm, and then they I'm, they take his body just like riddled with bullets go back in time to when he was supposed to die drop it off there and then go ah the fear is trying to kill himself i i sense this oh being god. a future marvel unlimited pick oh my god the yes future uh two weeks future because i'm looking it up right now <laughs> two, two <laughs> weeks two weeks from this episode when kyle has got uh, the pick again <laughs> dude i'm looking for it right now <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, that's... Well, speaking of Marvel Unlimited, uh, Jordan, if if you can hang with us as we do our picks of the week, love to hear your thoughts uh, from what we pick. Sure. And this is going to be for New Comic Book Day, July 19th, 2017. Of course, we just can't go into it without going into it with the help of the Shazbots. That's our picks of the week. Um, you know what? I will start first. And where did my picks go? I'm going to start off with, it's the final book of the series. Star Wars Darth Maul number five. Um, all I have for, for a write-up is Darth Maul has kidnapped Jedi Padawan Eldra Katis. And that's, that's all I got. Do you want me to tell you how it ends? or? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not doing it. <laughs> this, this has been. A, this has you can been elaborate a, great a little bit. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, if you've been reading it, uh, let's see what's come out so far of that. Three issues or four issues yet? Four issues. Four issues. Right. Yeah. The fourth issue just came out. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, this in the series, Darth Maul finds out that this Padawan has been captured, and this this criminal is auctioning her off, literally to the highest bidder. And he is the 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 Emperor Palpatine has told him, "You are not allowed to fight Jedi yet." We're not allowed to read it. We're not ready to reveal ourselves yet to the Jedi. So you cannot go fight a Jedi, even though all he wants to do all the time is kill Jedi. And so when he hears about this, he's like, this is my opportunity to sneakily kill a Jedi and not get caught. Um, yeah. And it hasn't been going well so far because he's been outbid and he's been and then they got bit backstabbed, all these crazy things. But in issue five, they're going to fight. See, that, that's what I loved about this series is it it's that pre Phantom Menace time period where, you know, it's Maul and Palpatine uh, bringing the Sith back back up into the into the ranks and, and making them a, a foe again to the Jedi. Yeah, and that's another thing I liked about the miniseries format, because there's so many great characters in Star Wars, so many great stories to tell that I, I like the where you just say, okay, we're going to take w- this character, five-issue miniseries, that character, five-issue miniseries, and then you get things like, uh, you know, Kanan, which was, was popular enough to 
to warrant an extension. But this way, you at least have the opportunity to tell a story. Yeah. The Lando story was great. Oh, yeah. That was um, one of my favorites. Mark Wade's Princess Leia was brilliant. Love yes. that series. Um, the Han Solo one is nominated for an Eisner this year. Yes. Really? Cool. Yes. I did not know that. Yeah, Marjorie Liu and, uh, and, and Mark Brooks. And, and the, the mini itself is nominated for Best uh, Limited. And then Mark is nominated for Best uh, Artist. Well, I, I will go ahead and say it now. Uh, if if I because I don't remember if we told you at celebration, but Vader Down was a Mighty Marvel Geeks non award winner for best crossover <laughs> series. Uh, well, thank you for our first. We, award we can't show. use the word no prize because you know hashtag copyright. But still, sure. I have one of those somewhere. There you go. Uh, so Eric, why don't you go next? Okay, my first pick of the week is Doctor Strange number twenty three. It's a Secret Empire tie in. Strange Fisk and company take the fight to the person running New York City. Yeah. I re- I, oddly enough, I've read that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't work on Doctor Strange, but that's a fun, fun series. And I'm liking where the stuff for, is going. Yeah. The stuff they're doing for the tie-in is terrific. So, uh, Kyla, why don't actually, you go next? See, I am having technical issues. Okay. I But I can... Um, give me a second. I'll be back. I guess I'll just go to next time around. Okay. Right. Um, well, my second book is actually a hardcover that's coming out uh, and it's monsters or monster abcs uh with from stan lee and jack kirby Uh, learn your abcs from kirby's most monstrous creations from the legendary behemoths that stalked the world before superheroes to the titans that terrorized the marvel universe 26 of Marvel's most memorable monsters have been rounded up in alphabetical order from the awesome droid to Zatora, including fan favorites like Devil Dinosaur, Fing Fang Foom, Groot, Mangog, and Zemu. Zemnu! Zemnu, yeah. They, they They all star in awesome comic cover tributes from stellar talents, including Arthur Adams, Mike Aldred, Chris Bacalo, John Cassidy, Bacalo, John Cassidy, Chris Samuel, and Walter Simonson, plus original Kirby-drawn tales to astonish, featuring the likes of Blip, Electro, Craw, and Thor, uh, collecting the Kirby monster variant covers, plus material from Tales to Astonish, uh, 15 and 16, and 22, Tales of Suspense, 13, 18, and 23, and Journey into Mystery, 57 and 62. Cool. So nice. Gotta give the okay. monster some love. Oh, yeah. I, I do yeah. love Zemnu. He's a ridiculous looking character, but I that's that's why I like him. There you go. All right. My second pick of the week is the Mighty Thor number 21. The ultimate team up. The Queen of Senders sets the realms ablaze. And not even the combined might of three Thunder Gods may be enough to put out the flames. But the all new ultimate Thor has a shocking secret. Can Thor trust her newest ally to have her back as Malekith's army grows? And the War of the Realms reaches Asgard's doorstep. Nice. Okay. Kylan. Jason Aaron's door is terrific. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, oh, why did I feel like I just got caught in the, walked into class without my homework? <laughs> Hydra yeah, stole it. it yeah, pretty much. I'm still I'm still working on it. I, I will get it though. I, I feel like Han. It's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Bang it with the hydro spanner. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm about to do. Oh, well, I guess we could continue on. Um, my final pick. Deadpool kills Marvel Universe again. Number two. Yeah. <laughs> Remember the time Deadpool went a little too crazy and killed the entire Marvel Universe? Well, this isn't that. This is a different time. Writer Colin Bunn and artist 
Dalibor. Dalibor Talajic. Talajic. There we go. Um, AKA the creators behind Deadpool kills the Marvel universe have reunited for another tale of Deadpool, taking out all of your favorites in the most horrific ways possible. It's going to hurt him more than it hurts you. <laughs> so, yep. That's one of mine. <laughs> I, I am. These guys will tell you, I am notoriously known for picking the obscure. Mm-hmm. And for well, Deadpool, I, I think <laughs> it, it doesn't rank up there with dupe or well, that's one of the most obscure ones that sure. I, that I went with. Um, but I also go squirrel girl. I went Howard the duck. Um, yeah, that's a good, I love Howard chip. Sadarsky did an awesome job with that series. Chip is such a good writer. He really is. Yes. His, Peter Parker Spider-Man is amazing as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, and uh, this the the there's a trade out of his uh, his uh, run on Star Lord, which uh, which I worked on, which I'm so proud of as well. And it's such a great looking book, and he wrote such a great Peter Quill. Um, yeah. Highly recommended. So, Eric, why don't you give us okay. your final pick for the week? My final pick of the week is a uh, it, it's a trade. It is the Mighty Thor Volume Three Asgard Shi'ar War. Two of the Marvel Universe's mighty races are on a collision course. The first Thor must deal with the escalating War of the Realms. To face Malekith, Loki, and an all-new curse, she'll need a team of her own. Prepare for the triumphant return of the League of Realms. Far across the galaxy, though, another conflict is brewing as the most powerful super army in the cosmos prepares a surprise attack on the City of the Gods. The Shi'ar Empire will lay siege to Asgard, and their target is the, the Goddess of Thunder. But what? And what does the fate of Midgard have to do with it? And where the Shi'ar go, the Phoenix Force tends to follow, which is bad news for Thor. Maybe the returning Odinson could lend a hand. Or perhaps maybe Quentin Quire. Nice. I love Quentin Quire. Yeah. I, I worked on the uh, Wolverine and the X-Men series with Jason, uh, and he, he wrote such a great Quentin Quire in that. So, yeah, anytime he gets his hands on Quentin, that's terrific. <laughs> so, Kylan, where do you stand? I Yes, I am. I am here. All right, so I got three picks all ready to go. I have uh, my first pick is Daredevil number 24. The writer is Charles Soule. The artist is Goran Suzuka. And the cover artist is Mike Diodato. Kingpin tries to crush Murdoch's supreme move. It's the fight of Murdoch's life. Kingpin and legal on one side, the jury on the other. And Daredevil caught between it all. And if the dare, if the Daredevil survives the letter of the law, he'll still have to deal with. And then it just kind of hangs there. And so now my second pick is Luke Cage, number three. Uh, the writer is David Walker. Artist is uh, Nelson Blake. And the cover artist is Riza. Oh, oh, Raza. Sorry. Raza. Big trouble in the Big Easy. Why is everybody trying to kill Luke Cage? And where did they get the weapons to do so? With supplies of the cure running low, Bernstein's former subjects are growing dangerously unstable. Okay, so now my third and final pick of the week is Star Wars Poe Dameron, number 17. Writer is Charles Soule. Artist is Angel Unzueta. And the cover artist is Phil Noto. Black Squadron is back in action. And this time they're on the lookout for some new recruits for the Resistance. Poe Dameron's first encounter turns out to be a mysterious person from Jess Pava's past. And then it stops there. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. 
Dun. So there's the mystery, guys. There's the mystery. So, Eric, if you can, quickly, your Marvel Unlimited pick. I think this should come as no surprise to anybody who's been listening to our conversation. It is Deadpool 26. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I already told you what happens in it, pretty much. Yes. But it's, it's still pretty funny. So. It, it, it's it's kind of like a Disney movie. You know there's a happy ending. It's just how you get to that happy ending. <laughs> so, yes, it's, it is it is the, the cable, Nick Fury, Hitler, Deadpool, time-traveling hullabaloo that, uh, yeah, I've got to, I've, I've put it in, in my list. I've downloaded it so I could read it offline, and yeah, I, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my, my pick was going to be Exiles 99. Oh, but, well, this one's better. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so I, I want to throw one last question, well, two last questions out. Oh. Last, uh, next to last question favorite marvel cartoon growing up before you came a part of the marvel family um oh, that's a toughie um, it, it could be it could be just the series sure 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 um i mean i don't know if i necessarily had a favorite marvel cartoon like i definitely watched when i was very young when i was very very young uh spider-man and his amazing friends and then um in the early 90s i i watched both the x-men and uh the spider-man cartoons but i did I didn't go crazy for them. I was always a bigger fan of the comics than I was of the cartoons. Um, but I, of course, I liked them. They both uh, had great theme songs. <laughs> um, and uh, I still, I, I mean, obviously, everyone loves the X-Men theme song. I I have a, uh, I, I did a ukulele cover of it, and I, that is my ringtone. <laughs> so when anybody calls me, it plays the X-Men theme song at me. That's awesome. Speaking of theme songs. That's Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, X-Men. Oh, I'm assuming it's this one because I'm trying to remember the time period. Oh yeah. And then Spider-Man. This is the tricky one because there's so many different ones. It, it is not this one. No. <laughs> It's not the French version. Um, no. <laughs> I'm going to take a guess on this one. No. Strike two. I don't know. I, I don't think that was it. I, I think that was it because it had that whole electronic Spider-Man, Spider-Man friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I think that was it. Uh, well, maybe. maybe. Because if it wasn't, uh, if it wasn't that oh, one, you, uh, then I think same time that's period the, was Spider Man Unlimited. No, no, it, it was the it was the previous one. I just okay. didn't recognize the opening. It, once you got to the riff of the then I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay, Jordan. He lives for this stuff. <laughs> he really does. Um, is that the best? I mean, is that true? Let me let me make sure that that's my favorite. Yeah, no, no, it's got to be one of those. But I, but again, I never really went nuts for the cartoons. I was always much more into the comics than the cartoon. Okay. Now, what Eric's talking about, what I live for. Mm-hmm. Oh no. <laughs> Um, well then, you know what I should tell you, uh, when I first got onto the Star Wars books, um, 
myself, Axel Alonso, CB Sabolsky, uh, Jason Aaron, Kieran Gillen, and John Cassidy all got to actually get a tour of the Lucasfilm archives where they have all the props and yes. the, the paintings and all this. And uh, while we were there, we did see an old decrepit Howard yeah. in one uh, of the cases. There you go. You ever <laughs> been yeah, they've like got a- Star Wars. They've got, they've got, they've got, uh, they had stuff from Star Wars. They had stuff from Indiana Jones. They had stuff from Willow. Uh, and then they had a Howard there. Yeah. I've seen a lot of, uh, in a lot of Facebook groups where uh, people will say like, you get a tour of Lucasfilm and you could smuggle out one item, what is it? I think for Mike, it would be a Howard the Duck. Um, <laughs> it, it would be it would be split between something from Howard the Duck and an ad at My standard answer is always the same, the deed. <laughs> <laughs> I actually know my answer too. And it was the thing, uh, it was the last thing I thought of because uh, literally they gave us this tour. They showed us all around, showed us all sorts of things. Uh, and as we were like ra- wrapping up, they were like, so is there anything that you wish you had seen that you you didn't see and i was like dude i don't know oh wait i don't remember seeing a mouse droid and they were like yeah we got one come on over here (laughs) they they took me over showed me a mouse droid i was like yeah and i was shocked by how big they are they're much bigger than i thought they're like the size of like a toaster oven maybe even a little bit bigger whereas i thought they were like i thought they were pretty small um and then i will say up against chewbacca so anything's gonna look small and then uh when i went uh one time i I was on the star wars show the the starwars.com uh uh, uh, show right and what they had me into the starwars.com part of the offices they have a working mouse droid like that they can remote control around and it zips and like they can push buttons and make it make the like noises like it, it was so cool if i remember right you can purchase it at walt really? disney world oh my god all right well that's tempting <laughs> <laughs> you, my you wife might, would kill me but i might try you, you you might know someone on the show who works there <laughs> Well, let me know. Yeah, let me look you up there, Jordan. I can get let you a know. real good discount on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you, Jordan, for for coming on. My uh, pleasure. People can find you on Twitter at Crackshot, and that's an zero in the yes. in the word shot. Right, Crackshot um, with a zero for an O um, is where they can find me on Twitter, and I will talk about all sorts of stupid things, and I will complain about politics. So be warned <laughs> about that. Um, my website is again waxwork.com, W A X hyphen W O R K com and it mostly has really old stuff I did like old comics I drew when I was uh, in college and all my radio shows the podcast I used to do was cast and wax with all my with all my my radio shows represented with the host segments still available Please. on iTunes oh yeah every episode is up there on iTunes uh, if you listen to it uh, you are awesome and also please tell me what you think because I love it uh, and then my current podcast is a podcast called Sailor Business that me and Chris Sims do where we watch every we're watching every episode of Sailor Moon and talking about them uh i think we're, we're more than halfway through the series we're like a hundred and something episodes into that too so uh we only have wow yeah awesome there's i think there's 200 episodes of sailor moon so we you know we're more than halfway through it awesome well on that note that's going to bring us to an end jarvis if you would please all wrapped up here sir will there be anything else nope just time to go dark so as we're doing the final out with roughly 55 seconds left any anything new exciting that you could tease that we should be looking out for (laughs) um oh man uh well by the time this is uh live uh you'll have a lot more information about what i'm working on for marvel legacy and uh 
I won't I won't say too much about it, but it's going to be some really great storylines that are going to be big. Okay. Oh, it was. <coughs> excuse me. It was a blast having you on. Definitely would definitely love to have you back in in the future. No pun sure. intended to Leia Thompson. <laughs> Of course. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure I'd be happy to. Uh, It was a pleasure to be here.